Look, you invited me to Orlando. You said, we'll kick off season 16. We'll, we'll be in the pool. We'll, we'll go for a swim. We'll talk about what to do for season 16. And uh, then this. Yeah, we're kind of having our uh, regularly scheduled afternoon thunder shower. Welcome to sunny Florida, Frank. What can I say? I, I swear, we, we just can't catch a break. <laughs> it reminds me of that uh, road trip I took last year, the Leaders of the Pack uh, yeah, weekend there. That's yeah. right, in October. From Grove City to Carnegie Mellon and nothing but rain, and then being on the sideline for the Westminster Carnegie Mellon game, all rain. Yeah, yeah. Well, rain and the elements sometimes are part of the game. Uh, we've been at this for season 16? Season 16, 15 years 15 come the years. end of September, yep. Wow. And uh, let's just face it, if you need rain where you live, just call us, we'll come on out and bring you some rain. That, that's the way it works here. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, look, uh, we got a preseason show to do. We're in the new digs here for JB. And so uh, let's get it started. You're watching season 16 of In the Huddle. Celebrating 15 years. Okay, so it's raining, so we're going to do the show uh, inside. Why not? And uh, it is Winter Park, Florida here. Uh, this kitchen may look a lot like JB's old kitchen to yeah. the uh, untrained eye, but right now we're going to say hi to the, the wide shot, and you can see the nice uh, patio door looking uh, at the swimming pool. Still getting rained on out there a little bit, yeah. it looks like. Yep. And so uh, coming back to our near shot here, um, JB... Why the move? I mean, uh, was there a restraining order involved? Were you trying to hide from me? What was going on exactly? The number four, Frank. We've got one, two, three, four kids going to be off at college this fall. And so it's now down to Jen and I, our little buddy over there, Ellie, who's looking at us. And, um, and my, my son, who's a junior in high school. So we did a little downsize. Um, just moved across the street here in Winter Park. We love this new neighborhood that we're in. And yeah, I think part of the reason why we fell in love with this house is it kind of reminded us of the old one. And um, so here we are and getting into the next phase as it were. We're almost empty nesters, but not quite. Okay, so you've got that going. I've got a new hairstyle. I, I'm no longer <laughs> flipping the front thanks to our St. Baldrick's event in uh, yeah. Balsa Spot in Saratoga. Oh, nice. uh, it's tough to grow the hair back uh, once you get rid of it. So there's that at least. Mm. Um, but uh, beyond that, 15 years, uh, we haven't changed that much except for the fact we went to video at a certain point yeah. and we, we got a better, more handsome co-host, uh, according to Eric Ryan at least. Yeah, that's nice of him to say. <laughs> Saw him uh, this uh, summer at the yeah. Saratoga County Fair. Got to see him and his family yep. doing well and uh, we'll catch up with him again, I'm sure, before the season's out to talk about 15 years. Mm. There's a lot of things to talk about here. This is not our only preseason show, more on that later. But we got to look back first because we kind of left you high and dry at the end of last season. Uh, last you saw me, I was in some kind of golden outfit and um, talking to players of North yeah. Central who won Stag Bowl 49 by the final score of 28-21 to 21 over Mount Union. The game got close toward the end, but if you took the first three quarters of the game, it really wasn't even that close. Yeah, a little bit. Well, 
But it, it woke up in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, it did. No, it got very interesting at the end. And, you know, you have to give Mount Union credit. They, they battled. And they had a chance there with a few minutes left, I think, to try to tie the game and maybe send it to overtime. But just, uh, you know, too much offense from North Central. Uh, Green, Ethan Greenfield, the, the Gallardi Trophy winner, uh, receiving, rushing touchdown. They had that 94-yard touchdown to Hardy, which was amazing. So, yeah, congrats to the champs, and we'll see if they can defend the title. Luke Lanen back, Ethan Greenfield not, and several others are not as well. Uh, D'Angelo Hardy is, uh, and so uh, yeah. that is one of the reasons why uh, they're going to be uh, talked about as our number one a little bit here, or one with emojis, according to certain fans. I thought that yeah. one wasn't enough or something. But, uh, yep, uh, number one North Central uh, is still on our preseason ballot. <laughs> a lot more about that in a moment. Yeah. But in 2022, we didn't name our players of the year, really. Nope. And so I'm going to give you the opportunity to kind of give the input here as to who we did pick and why. Uh, first on offense, Wayne Ruby Jr. of Mount Union. Yeah, 30 receiving touchdowns led the nation. I will always say, say this with an asterisk, I guess, at a certain point. These players we, were, we picked specifically because they weren't picked by other publications as you know, players of the year. We like to spread the wealth around. We could have easily gone with some of those other choices, and they were great choices, uh, as obviously. But I feel like Wayne Ruby Jr. was a real difference maker. He's back, and he's a, definitely a big reason, along with Braxton Plunk, why Mount Union is, is expected to maybe return to the Stag Bowl in 23. Well, uh, Wayne Ruby Jr., I will have a lot to say about what happens here, I think, uh, indeed, with Braxton Plunk, that that's one reason they'll be number two when we get to it in a little bit. Yep. Uh, but uh, with the definite possibility of being number one very easily, if something slips up, not even a loss, but let's say consistency as the season goes on. Not that we yeah. re-rank them ourselves, but D3Football.com obviously ranks weekly, and I have a ballot in there. Mm -hmm. uh, also, uh, for defense, Luke Sherman of Johns Hopkins is our Defensive Player of the Year. Tell folks why. You know, he was just a force to be reckoned with. I think he had like 15 sacks last season, about the same number of tackles for loss, was just always in the backfield kind of wreaking havoc. And once again, he is back, which is a number one reason I think that Hopkins is expected to potentially repeat for the Centennial title. Special teams player of the year? Well, no surprise here. Kristen Nutra from Springfield was probably, I think, the, the most statistically accurate um, had the most field goals, I think, in Division Three. D3Football.com agreed, named him first team uh, preseason All-American. So no surprise there. Just a reliable kicker for that Springfield Pride team who's looking to go back to the playoffs once again and win the NUMAC along the way. Without Catholic in the NUMAC, it makes things interesting. They're yep. in the landmark now, so we'll see where that goes. A lot more on that as the season continues here. Uh, Ryan Larson is our Coach of the Year for 2022. And uh, Carnegie Mellon obviously has a lot to... Uh, you know, say thank you to him for based on his consistency at the helm. Uh, I mean, the last couple of years, just think about what they've been able to accomplish under his guidance. Well, I mean, if you watch their games last year, Carnegie Mellon played close with a lot of teams. Certain teams that maybe they should have blown out, they, they, they played close with. They barely beat Washington and Jefferson on kind of a fluky defensive touchdown. They played North Central better than Mount Union did for about two or three quarters in their quarterfinals matchups. And I think a lot of people forgot about how strong of a, of a game that that Tartan team played. A lot of you know other national fans usually think that an East Region team is going to go in and get killed. And sometimes that happens, and there's a history of that. But in this game, the Tartans gave the Cardinals probably their second best, maybe even best game of the season, arguably. I mean, 
they had more points than Mountain Union did for the first half. So there's that. But I, I thought, you know, the way he got his guys to find ways to win, the way they schemed uh, to keep themselves in these close games really said a lot. And so congrats to him. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing what he's got for his next trick here. Yeah, and for those that are saying, well, he was only a coach for one season. I know that, folks. Uh, but he got that consistency to continue. That's tough for new head coaches to do yeah. in their first year. And so uh, the old uh, guard and the new guard at Carnegie Mellon, very successful in making that work. So, okay, uh, about a week, week and a half ago, whenever this uh, gets to air here, uh, we decided, hey, we're going to put out our top 25 for preseason. You know, I'm sure uh, nothing could go wrong. Everybody will love this. And I, a lot of you did love it, in fact. Oh, yeah. We got some really great feedback. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. No, we did get a lot of viewership, a lot of shares, a lot of uh, whatnot yeah, on yeah. whatever they call that stuff now on X versus Twitter, whatever it's called there. Yeah. Uh, but we uh, we wanted to take a look at why are we ranking teams in certain places? You want a little bit more information about that? We said tune into our preseason show. We'll give you just that more information. So here we are. Uh, so, you know, looking at number one and number two, I think we've already hit on that already. Number three, Wartburg. Realistically, they bring back a lot of that team that nearly did in Mount Union in the semifinals last year. Yeah, I mean, like I said in our semifinals show, um, I really felt that Wartburg let that game get away from them. They almost scored too quickly. If you give Braxton Plunk and Wayne Ruby three minutes, you know, that I really thought that the Knights had that one, but they just scored a little too soon. And that defense, uh, led by Owen uh, Grover and, team, and company, are uh, they're back and we'll have to see if they can you know they didn't make that last stop that they needed maybe this is the year that they get over the hump then st john's uh, kind of that consistent mayak team uh, that's just you know always knocking on the door there well i want to i want to jump in real quick here because our four five and six you know tio they were so close we actually had to institute sort of like a tiebreaker mechanism and True. that's kind of why st john's was sort of bumped up a little bit because of their track record historically um, there might have been some other, you know, fancy mathematics going on. Not really. Well, no but, tie there. Five and six did have a tie. Okay, we'll talk about it okay. in a second here. But, uh, you know, again, consistency for St. John's in an in, in era in D3 where consistency may be starting to wane for certain teams ever since COVID uh, started yeah. happening. And we'll talk maybe a little bit more about that either later in this show or another show, I'm sure. But there was a tie between Trinity and UMHB for us. And a lot of you were uh, pointing out whether or not you like the fact that Trinity ends up ranked above UMHB and ours. Mm -hmm. Our tiebreaker was the team that had the least variance in b between our two uh, scorings of them, which means that they're the closest together uh, yeah. on our ballots because that shows more confidence in a certain zone of that team. And that's why we use less variance as the tiebreaker. Trinity was that team out of uh, these two that was the lesser variance team. Mm -hmm. And it, it's kind of like three Texas teams, one, two, three, right there, five, yeah. six, seven, technically. Uh, Trinity, then UMHB, then Harden Simmons. And the nice thing is, there are some matchups in between these two teams, yep. uh, or these three teams, excuse me, uh, this season, with Trinity and UMHB going first in week two. Uh, Harden Simmons against UMHB later in the season, and who knows what could happen maybe in the playoffs if we get down to it. Yeah. So these teams will have a chance to prove themselves ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. There will be a bit of a, a round robin and a stack ranking that will kind of come from that. Um, a lot of these teams, I think actually all three are playing teams out of region, kind of going to some pretty you know, huge games in the first couple weeks of the season. So we'll know pretty much early on where these 
programs are really going to sort of end up. But all three of them, once again, kind of coming into uh, the season with a lot of expectations. The Crusaders, however, when I look at that roster, I don't see a lot of familiar names. I recognize a couple, like Ethan Ruckman, um, you know, but the Kyle Kings and the Brandon Jordans and all that. K.J. Miller. K.J. Miller, all those stars from many years past have, have graduated and moved on to bigger and better things. So we'll see. Can the crew reload? They often can. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to go to a Division three football school in Texas, that's going to be the first place you look. Yeah. I mean, still to this day, no matter what. And so, and if you're transferring from Division one to Division three in Texas, that's going to be your number one choice probably too. Yeah. In many cases, it's just the way it's turned out. So that's why they do reload so well. Mm -hmm. But can they get it? to really click as early as they need to because look at that start schedule that they have. Yeah, it's pretty pretty loaded. They're, they're definitely testing themselves like they did last season, so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, then we have Carnegie Mellon. Now, Carnegie Mellon number eight is going to be a little deceiving because there is no out-of-conference schedule for pack teams this season, and yeah. that's to their detriment for a team like Carnegie Mellon. It's disappointing, to say the least, that we're not going to get to measure them against teams that might not be PAC teams or that aren't PAC teams that yeah. might be of a certain quality, uh, like some of these others that we've mentioned have yep. gone out and taken that reach. They can't even do that because the conference situation won't allow them to do that right now. So Carnegie Mellon at number eight, that might be the highest they can get in some ways if yeah. people start to ding them about what their schedule looks like. Uh, this season and how they do against that schedule. Well, I think other voters did ding them. I mean, in other polls, they're not as high. I mean, like I said before, I, I think I gave them a little extra credit for how well they played the national champions in the playoffs. The fact that they're returning a vast majority of that offense and defense. I think Ben Mills, their quarterback, is only going to play better in his second or maybe even third year at this point. And so I know that the, their defense was good enough to hang with the national champions. Can the offense pick it up? We'll see. Whitewater at number nine it doesn't surprise many people. They've got some uh, players back, some players to fill in the gaps, but obviously a new head coach uh, here as Kevin Bullis uh, steps down at the end yeah. of last year. And so we'll see where that goes. A lot more in them, I'm sure, throughout this season. Linfield at number 10, they've got some holes uh, to fill, but Blake Eaton is not one of them at quarterback. And yeah, that's a big get. It is. And so we'll see uh, where they go uh, this season. A new retooled O-line with four new starters for sure is going to be tough to replace in their situation. Ithaca at number 11, a uh, lot of players back, A.J. Wingfield being one of them, their yeah. quarterback. And uh, what, what do you think they learned from that North Central quarterfinal game last year where they kind of got blown out in that game? But throughout the season, they just seemed to take punches and respond back until that game. What do you think they gained from having that game under their belt now? Well, I think they, I think they realize if to sort of take that next step to moving past a, a, a quarterfinal level game or a, a semifinal kind of situation, you, you really have to be able to um, be real physical up front and uh, you know, give a, a player like Wingfield some time to, to throw the ball. I mean, you know, there aren't too many defensive lines that you're going to see or, or anywhere <laughs> in the country like North Central's. But, you know, uh, guys like Gilbert and others have graduated, and so or Gilroy, sorry. sorry. Um, so they may, maybe there's a little bit of a, a drop-off there, but I doubt it. Um, I think it'll just you know, motivate the Bombers at the both on the offensive and defensive lines to really sort of step up their physicality, and they know so they know now like what it's going to take to play with with the best. 
Number 12, UW River, easy for me to say, UW River Falls. Uh, and we might want to get used to saying that this yeah. season. They lost their four games last season by seven points or less. And that's against teams like St. John's and Whitewater. They beat Oshkosh last yeah. season. Uh, this is a team that brings almost everybody back on both sides of the ball. I think they have like 10 out of 11 offensive starters back. I mean, that's huge. And yeah. that's not normal for no. a lot of these teams we're talking about on this list. And so people are a little surprised to see that as our number two WEAC team, but also that they're number 12 in that number two mm -hmm. spot, essentially. I think we stand by this right now based on what we're seeing on who's back, who's not in some, uh, yeah. certain key WEAC teams. Yeah, and, and, and apologies to the Culver's Isthmus Bowl, who I know the, uh, the Falcons have been multiple champions, but this might be the year where they punch their ticket to the playoffs. There won't be many Pool C bids available, so it's going to be Pool A or bust for pretty much all the, the country. Um, but a conference like the WEAC will probably get a, a second team in, most likely. If the Riverhawks can't beat Whitewater and, and win the WEAC or Oshkosh or whomever, maybe, the, maybe they can still get in the playoffs regardless. So we'll see. 13 Bethel, uh, Jaron Rosti not being there hurts their numbers, but we'll see where they go with yep. George Bolt possibly being the new starter. Uh, 14 Del Val, Louis Berrios is back, but the Nobiles are uh, gone. Uh, Yusuf Aladinov is gone, uh, and so they've got some holes to fill, but they're another team that seems to be able to retool all the time based on their system and being able to get new recruits in. Yep. 15, Cortland. Uh, Who's new playing the Aggies in week yeah, one. Exactly. How convenient. New, uh, <laughs> new turf, uh, yeah. new video board over there, yep. and uh, same style, same really you know with boys as quarterback and you know a whole litany of players back for them this could be a very good year for Coraline. Yeah, and I think I think the Dragons probably have a little chip on their shoulder. I mean, even though they had to go on the road to Randolph-Macon in the playoffs, I think they expected to win that game and to come up a little short might have kind of stuck in their craw in the offseason. So I think we're going to find a very motivated team here, and I'm sure Coach Fitch is lighting a fire under his Dragons to take it up a notch in 23. Lighting a fire under his Dragons. Well done there. Hey. He'll be here all week. Uh, Salisbury, number 16, they got to stay healthy. But yeah. they had a lot of depth uh, to get to the playoffs last year in the first place. So that means they've got experience in key roles throughout their team. Uh, number 17, the aforementioned Randolph-Macon. Can Drew Campanale stay healthy? Because that was their bugaboo in the playoffs, yeah. most likely, when he wasn't able to play. Uh, they sort of uh, kind of hiccuped in that situation. But we'll see yeah. where they can go. 18, John Carroll. It's Jeff Behrman's era now, John Carroll. And, uh, you know, we had doubts about him maybe going into Union when he did, and he just made that program hum yep. early and often. He's got a very good nucleus already there at John Carroll. So I'm guessing, aside from the fact that you're going to start with Whitewater, uh, he can do the same thing in keeping things moving positively for John Carroll. Yeah, and he inherits a veteran team, I think, uh, so that certainly helps. Um, but, yeah, at the end of the day, it is a tough draw in week one to have to play a, a team the caliber of Whitewater. But, hey, you never know. Um, stranger things have happened, and we don't really know what's going on with the Warhawks uh, as far as their personnel. They don't have a lot of guys coming back, but like we said before, they might reload, and so we'll have to wait and see. 19 was Wheaton and Giovanni Weeks is the good news. The bad news is a lot of people to fill in uh, alongside Weeks and mm -hmm. on the other side of the ball as well. But, you know, this is another team that seems to be able to reload. The Little Brass Bell game is in that really prime early spot around the yep. 30th, I believe, of September against North Central. It's at Wheaton this year. You know, if there's ever a year, mm. we'll talk more about that in a little bit. 
Aurora at number 20, yeah, they lose a lot, but th th we've said that before, and look what happened last year. Whitewater will tell you it was not exactly a walk of the park because no. they did not survive Aurora in that week one of the playoffs matchup, yeah. round one matchup, I should say. 21, Johns Hopkins with no Ryan Stevens. You might think, what, what are they going to do? But remember, David Tamaro left. Stevens fills in very well. Stevens leaves. Next man up, I think, at Johns Hopkins. Yeah, you said this off the air. National roster. I mean, Hopkins can recruit from anywhere. If you've seen any of their social media, they have a lot of these alums that are the CEOs of all these different companies. They're working on Wall Street. They're doing all this stuff. They're, they're running hospitals. I mean, they have this cachet that's always going to help them in recruiting. Uh, and so, yeah, I think uh, Hopkins is definitely going to be a team we'll keep an eye on. 22, Alma. And, uh, you know, the Scots. Uh, yes, the defending MIAA champs. I'm not going to even try to do my best Craig Ferguson here. But, uh, <laughs> you know, 5-5 five and five leading to 10-0 and 0 in the regular seasons of the last two years. Should tell you a lot about uh, that team. Obviously, yeah. some changes uh, are coming here for them this season. But, uh, you know, you can't overlook the fact that they could turn around like that last year. you got to give them a little bit of credit here coming into 2023. Yeah, other than the fact that the coach was still wearing a kilt when it was like December or something, I mean, but yeah, the, a five and five to ten and zero. I mean, I, I can't think of a of a recent turnaround like that in a while. That's an incredible job, and so yeah, credit the Scots. We'll see if they can run it back in twenty three. You are very high on UW Oshkosh, number twenty three for us. Kobe Burkhammer coming back here. I think he's the best quarterback in the in the conference until we see who trots out for. For uh, Whitewater, I think that 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 QB and that receiving core that he has is really talented. Coach Jennings is, is I think, is on his way to build. I mean, he he came from Whitewater. He knows the formula for success. Maybe this is the year that they get back to that stag bowl, potentially. For those with quarterbacks that are named uh, Berghammer that want to complain, please send your cards and letters to James Baker. That's Baker with a B A K E R. Uh, but no, you're not wrong that he is an excellent quarterback and the experience is going to count for something, no yeah. doubt. 24, Muhlenberg. Joe Rapetti is why, uh, pretty much. He was a, a quarterback that showed a lot of moxie last year yeah. in a year that we thought might be a little bit weird for Muhlenberg, and it was. But to now have a little bit of consistency at that key position might give them the opportunity in the new Centennial Conference to get a good footing before they play some of those teams like your sinus and Johns Hopkins. Yeah, they just have to get they have to get over this uh, your sinus bear bug that's bitten them the last couple of seasons. Um, the mules have the have the personnel uh, to do something interesting this season. We'll have to wait and see what Nate Milne has in his uh, his coaching playbook here. 25, Washington and Jefferson. Always tough to pick these uh, teams uh, oh, toward yeah. the bottom of this list because there's so many that should be in this list or yeah, could be in this list. Be, for sure. But uh, W&J's got a lot of uh, players back, The least, not the least of which I should say, <laughs> not the least of which is Jacob Hugh. Uh, but, uh, you know, to have the established starter, again, the pack situation may not allow them for much rise uh, this season. We'll see what happens, but they could get a lot of rise if they're able to beat Carnegie Mellon later in the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that will be the, the, the opportunity. And they, they had, um, you know, Carnegie Mellon's number there for a little bit until the end of the game uh, last year. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I don't know if there's sort of like a, a Super Bowl, you know, blowover effect for Coach Sirianni and, and the presidents with maybe recruiting or what have you. Uh, maybe there's some new you know, talent coming into town. But I think, I think, you know, Jacob Pugh, who actually came in to that Carnegie Mellon game, it's really sort of his, his first, well, you know, substantial amount of action. And then 
from there, he kind of you know, took them you know, on a, a, a lot of wins. So they beat John Carroll last season, so they, they can play in this top 25 you know, kind of era. We'll see how it goes later this year. We'd love to see that game, though, in week one again. And yeah. that's why John Carroll has to go and schedule Whitewater instead this go-around because uh, they lost uh, what seemed to be a good pairing for them yeah. early in the season that sure. way. So that's that. Um, so you might be wondering, where's uh, Susquehanna? Where's Lacrosse? Uh, you know, there are some other teams, obviously, you can name RPI probably, saying, yep. where are we? Uh, you know, there's probably a good seven or eight teams we could probably say, where are they uh, mm-hmm. in that stuff? But, okay, the most controversial, which is that is not on our list, is Lacrosse. Yeah. We both <laughs> took a real hard look at this as we were uh, putting together our numbers on this, and they bring back basically a couple percent of their uh, yards. It's yeah. not much. Two yeah. offensive starters, maybe four defensive players that started last season. And lacrosse is not a team that you can just say year to year retools. And so it's tough to have the faith level in this situation. Okay, we, we give Alma a little bit of credit because we see certain continuity in their roster coming back this year. And they'll prove themselves probably earlier whether or not that they're deserving of it. But lacrosse, I, I just don't know. I mean, again, come week five, we'll find out probably. Well, we might even find out in week two when they play Harden Simmons. That's true. So, I yep. mean, I, the, the we, I think also it's too, the WEAC is so competitive. And I know that there are people out there that said, like, you know, six teams should be in the top 25 from the WEAC because if we played these guys, we'd beat them. Blah, blah, blah. But when you, when you compare sort of like things, I mean, there's only going to be one or two teams that make the playoffs from each conference. Pretty much this year, it's only going to be one. Uh, the WEAC might be the, the exception there. So, I mean, there's multiple teams on their schedule that can beat this team. Um, that well, they could win too, but... No offense to the WEAC, and you deserve all the kudos and stuff yeah, you get, sure. but a NAC team beat you in the playoffs last year. True. And so is that gap between the WEAC and other teams out in Region 6, Region 5, word uh, essentially mainly yeah. Region 6 in this, uh, starting to close in some way, thanks again to COVID, Mm. And perhaps to the fifth-year senior effect. So I guess we will yeah. talk about it briefly here. Yeah. The fifth-year senior effect does create unnatural gaps for us when we look at a roster that's got all noobs on it, basically, and then a bunch of fifth-year seniors on another roster. You got to give credit to the fifth-year roster team. Yeah. We got two more seasons of that, basically one full year, two seasons mm-hmm. of it to have this phenomenon continue to play out because of COVID. Yep. But it means something. It does mean something. We're learning year to year just how much it means. Yeah, especially when you think about you know a 22 or 23-year-old young man versus an 18 or 17-year-old kid. I mean, there, there's a huge difference. And some of these rosters that have, you know, exploded because, I mean, we have like 150, 60 something man rosters now, which in Division Three, I mean, certain schools have been able to pull that off, but it's becoming even more common in, in places like the East region where typically like 100 was a lot for a roster. Now you see 125, 130, 150. It's a, it's a different day, but, you know, it's, it's coming to an end <laughs> at least soon. Well, you know, uh, we'll see how it plays out in that respect. RPI, again, a lot of player changeover over there. Susquehanna, you lose a lot of players on your offense. and Quarterback. Yep. yep. So Michael Roosh uh, being uh, the uh, really strong-suited quarterback for them. And how do you replace him very easily? Is our guy Sal Garani graduated? I think he did, yeah. Oh, yeah. He I, I, We'll have to get to this later, but I think Frank has some some comments about uh, tailgate parties that he went to, and I'm pretty sure that the Garanis know how to throw down. So we'll more on that in a little bit. Maybe, or even if it's not today, we'll, we'll get to another <laughs> time for sure. 
But uh, let, let's take a look at uh, teams in each region. Yep. One team in each region, maybe a couple uh, where you waffle a little bit. We'll, we'll see. I like to waffle. Yeah. Yeah, but hey, uh, you have a new Japanese waffle place down the street. That's right. So yeah. there you go. Wafu. Wafu. Yes, it is. Uh, the donuts were excellent, by the way. Thanks for Dochi. the added weight. I, I've already. The season hasn't even started. I'm eating my way through Division <clears throat> Three somehow. Yes. Yes, indeed. Region One. We're going to start with JB on all these. Yeah, well, one of the teams I like is you know, kind of no surprise is Endicott. I mean, because they're actually taking on, and I don't know if this has ever happened. We, we've been fans of D3 for a while. A few days. A few days. Um, Ithaca in week two, Harden-Simmons in week four. I, can't, I don't ever remember a New England team taking on two top ten opponents in September ever. No, Curry would have been the only one I could think yeah. of back when that's not a, a true so that, for that. So that just sort of jumps out at me. I, you know, there's other conferences like the, you know, the MASCAC. I'm, I'm going to maybe try to get over to Bridgewater State when I'm up um, in Massachusetts next week, dropping one of the kids off at college. Thanks, uh, thanks for warning everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So will this be out before? Uh, anyway. Yeah, it should be. Let's hope. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so Endicott is yours. Uh, Salve Regina is mine. And uh, interestingly, they're not in the same conference right now. Yeah, right. It's a new new Mac start for Salve Regina. And with things retooling in this conference, I'm thinking Salve Regina might be a team that could come in and start smashing mouth uh, pretty early on this uh, yeah. the whole conference realignment situation for them. So I'm going to go with Salve Regina as the team to watch here that could really make a difference or surprise folks along the way. Region 2, which you have uh, dubbed as the land of realignment. I kind of like that. It is. And you were all right. I mean, look at all the things going on, especially the landmark conference and what that's done as a kind of, you yeah. know, knock down the dominoes effect here. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about them a bit ago, but your team is W&J in this one. Yeah, you know, I've, I've liked them for a while, you know, based on how they played Carnegie Mellon. I, I mentioned it when I uh, was on the D1 Rejects podcast that, you know, the way they handled Hobart in the ECAC bowl game was impressive. I think Jacob Hugh is the real deal. Coach Sirianni, I think, is going into his 20th season, is an established, you know, great D3 football coach. So, yeah, I like the presidents. I don't know. It feels like they, this might be a year to shake things up for them. Was it the Kobe Manzo uh, name check? Man, the Manzo. Manzo yeah. name check? Manzo. Uh, Kobe. We'll be wearing one of his shirts on future episodes. There I'm you sure. go. There Thanks, you. buddy. Cross promotion. We, That's we, right. uh, when I get back, I'll send uh, that out to him, too, for uh, yeah. one of these uh, polos. Uh, anyway, not one we've worn, though. No, that'd be yeah. gross. Uh, my team here, Salisbury. Uh, again, if they can stay relatively healthy and I know the triple option or the the version of it they run is an injury prone scenario for them on yeah. offense but they can really surprise teams out there I think I don't know if it's even a surprise anymore without Wesley and, and Jack or at least whatever conference they were playing in historically yeah. um, they seem to have just ruled the roost in this whole thing I know seagulls um, yeah don't 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 even go there but Salisbury, that's my team here in Region 2. Region 3, have you landed on a team yet? Because you were all over the place. My notes here have about 14 different teams listed for you. Uh, well, I mean, I'll start off with an easy one just because I mentioned it on the, on the D1 Reject show. But, you know, is this the year that Harden-Simmons can take control of the ASC? Everyone good, good, good luck here, JB. Everyone yeah. <laughs> taken off. I mean, there's, there's, I think there's only four teams left. They, you know, they're going up to Endicott to play games because no one wants to play them. Um, you know, I like Bellhaven in the USA South, potentially. Um, I mean, I know Huntington sort of had a, you know, a, a, 
a death squeeze on that one for a while, and, and I'm sure the conference still will run through Alabama. But those would be some the schools that, that sort of jump out to me. Okay, so three. if you had to pick one, if I said one right now, who are you picking as the team to watch for uh, Region 3? Bellhaven Blazers. Ooh, hello. Okay, I, I, I can't complain about that. I'm going to pick... Howard Payne. We had some folks a little bit upset. Where, where's mm. Howard Payne in this list? Uh, and honestly, Landon McKinney and company, I think can actually do some learning from the past uh, missteps in the yeah. bigger games. I mean, this is a team that can run the table with their existing schedule. We know that. <laughs> but for a couple teams named Harden-Simmons and Mary Harden-Baylor, unfortunately for them. Yeah. But this could be a year where you know those two teams are focusing on so many other things right now. Yep. September 30th, a big game between Howard Payne and Harden Simmons. Yeah. They will get to show right out of the box this go-around, unlike last year, whether or not they belong in the conversation. Yeah, and they always, they always play everybody tough. And I, I'm actually really interested, I think, one of the more kind of under-the-radar Week 1 games that we'll talk about as we get closer to our Week 1 preview um, Howard Payne is playing George Fox of Oregon. Like, what a random matchup that is. Yep. So, uh, George Fox has shown uh, a willingness to play some yeah. uh, out-of-bounds games, let's call it, yeah. for uh, regional purposes. And uh, kudos to them for that. Hopefully, they're the learning from that. But yeah. at the end of the day, uh, it will show us a lot about the teams uh, in both uh, George Fox and Howard Payne uh, this season. But the 30th, a key date. Region 4? You're going for a team with two names, but it's only one team here. Yeah, Rose Holman, man. They, um, they have a first-round playoff match up in week one, a rematch against DePauw, uh, both conference champions. And I think um, you know, this is a, an engineers team that had kind of been knocking on. You know, they were struggling to get past the Franklins and you know, the other teams in the, in, in the Heartland, and they, they kind of got over the hump. They won the championship last season. They played one of the most competitive first-round games, I think, that we had in the playoffs period. It was, I think, a three- or four-point game. Can't wait to see how that one unfolds and, and see if they can run it back. And I'm picking Wabash because little giants always fight, and they have not WAF, necessarily been yeah. fighting to the top of their conference championship over the last uh, couple of seasons. And that's, uh, that's strange. That's unusual. And Liam Thompson, uh, the uh, quarterback, is somebody that is on the Manning uh, list uh, yep. for uh, their watch. It's the only D3 quarterback in the country that's on that list with guys like Caleb Williams from USC and others. Well, Thompson here, I think, has a chance to get Wabash back into their normal rarefied air that they are in uh, and win the NCAC and uh, continue maybe into a second round type of game. I, I think they can do it. Uh, maybe it doesn't start the way, you know, and again, they're not ranked here on yeah. our list. they got to play a little better defense. There's, they've had yep. too many of these 52 to 48 oh, yes. kind of games. Yes. <laughs> gotta, How many crunch really... times do we have last season? It's like, okay. There's another touchdown. Yeah. There's another and, touchdown. And moving ahead. <laughs> Ten more touchdowns <laughs> later. Yes. Uh. Yeah, that's that's been uh, their bugaboo. But I think... Uh, offensively, they can win shootouts, but yeah. they don't want to get into one every darn time. No. Region 5, the BBs. That's right. Yeah, Aurora. I mean, what a, what a season they, that they had. I mean, to upset Whitewater on the road in the playoffs. I mean, they, they do lose a significant amount of that team. But, I mean, Coach BB's got something dialed in there. And so I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens with Aurora and, and how they kind of reload it. Can they become one of these programs 
just like the Whitewaters and the Mountain Unions and the, the Wheatons and the North Centrals that every year they just, the next guy up comes and they're still, you know, playing in, in national uh, tournament games. I like the call, but I'm picking Wheaton here. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you know what? Eventually, North Central's due for a little bit of a slip up. Here's your John Carroll in waiting, uh, using a Mount Unionism yep. uh, here. And Wheaton might be able to do it. Retooled this year. We'll see where it goes. That game is at Wheaton, as I said earlier, and we'll, we'll see. There's a lot more to be said about that game once we get to it. We'll get to it the first. The 21 game between those two uh, was was pretty awesome. I mean, it was it was a close call until probably like the fourth quarter when the when NCC started to pull away. The 22 game was the closest regular season game I think that NCC played actually, probably, yeah, which isn't saying much. I I get it, folks, but yeah. we'll see where it goes. Finally, region six. Interestingly enough, we picked the same conference here for teams to watch. You pick. I picked the the Titans. Yeah, I, there's something about this Bergkammer guy and his receiving core. I, I, I know that they lost uh, four games last season, but it was their coach's you know, first year. I have a feeling that there could be you know, some surprises with this Titans squad, so they're, they're definitely a team I've got on my radar. Okay, I, I don't hate you for that, but I'm picking River <laughs> Falls because of who they're bringing back a lot. Yeah. And the fact that they played, as I said, their four losses within one possession last season against teams named St. John's, Whitewater. Whitewater. I mean, this is a team that knows how to win or how to be in close games. And now we'll have to win those close games yep. throughout to really be able to run that table and make it react, you know, dominance. React wackiness. Reactiveness. Well, well, you know, that's the <laughs> interesting thing here. We don't see clearness or clarity in the WEAC. No. And so are they going to just knock each other off again so that only one team gets into the playoffs again? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a gauntlet for sure. So it, it, It's a challenge here uh, for The rest sure. of the country would like that because... <laughs> Yeah, like well, chance. with only four yeah. uh, pull C bits, and yeah. we'll see what happens here. Yeah. But uh, again, without clear cut dominance in the WEAC, and you got four teams basically duking it out every week, and then those mm -hmm. other teams can creep up and beat any one of them, it seems yeah. like now. Yep. It, this could be interesting. So let's go and look ahead. We'll look ahead to uh, our fourth segment of the show, we'll call this, which is travel and coverage uh, for this season. You gonna to go to twenty-two games again? I, I highly doubt that, but um, <laughs> we might get a couple right off the bat here uh, in week one. If Muhlenberg uh, and Moravia would like to move the game from Friday night to Saturday night, we can make it three. In fact, uh, but seems reasonable. So here's what's gonna happen. I have options uh, on week one on both the Thursday night game, Friday night. I'm gonna be uh, catching a high school game uh, up in the uh, Syracuse area, but also on the Saturday afternoon game, I've got options. And so we're going to leave it up to you to think, help us pick. I think there's a poll. Uh, there will be two polls, in oh, fact, on this two. one. So Double down. All right. So here, here are uh, basically the uh, decisions to make. I could be going out to Buffalo State in week one uh, on the Thursday night opener. Yep. And they are playing Brockport, hosting mm -hmm. Brockport in that game. Yep. Or I could go to Rowan hosting Stevenson. That's mm -hmm. one uh, set of decisions to make there. Yeah. And then on Saturday... You've got Hopkins hosting Ithaca or Cortland hosting DelVal. Those are like playoff games. <laughs> it, it really are. And again, we are loving these real, let's say, challenge games that yeah. these teams are picking here. And we're hoping the committee takes note of these things again this year. 
because it's necessary. Strength of schedule, you know what you got when you got matchups like those. You don't need numbers to tell you that these are great matchups any year yeah. that you play them. Yep. And so we'll see what our viewers uh, decide here. Then in week two, uh, I believe we have a game on a Thursday night that got moved. Uh, was that not Framingham State at uh, Salve Regina, I believe? That's right, I think it's in Newport. On a it? Thursday night? Yeah. And September 7th. As long as that stays uh, where it is, then I'm going to fly on September 8th to San Antonio, Texas Ooh. from New York City. I'll be flying so I, I can make that swing to New York City that night uh, to get the plane and go down to cover UMHB at Trinity under the lights in San Antonio in week two. Hmm. From there... Right, maybe I'll have to see if I can go to that game. You should try. Hmm. you got some coverage there. Uh, but anyway... Uh, after that, we have no idea where I'm going to be popping up. And this guy, this guy may be popping up as well. Uh, we want to thank our friends at the Landmark Conference for saying, hey, we'd like to see JB get out more. And so uh, they actually are helping us out with that a little bit this season. So thank you to the, uh, Katie Bulvich. Uh, and uh, we had a lot of fun doing their uh, hosting their uh, media day for their inaugural media. <laughs> yeah, was, Frank shows up and they're like, hey, you're going to be the MC. What? Okay, you did a great job. At least you wore the tie. You look good. No, okay. I, that was completely by happenstance too. But well, he's a mayor now, so he's got to, you know, yeah, something like that. But anyway, um, it was a lot of fun. But thanks to the landmark for thinking of us in that respect. Sure, yeah. uh, but it, we will definitely be getting the games. We would have gotten the landmark games anyway this season, yep. so it's not affecting that. But uh, getting you on the road is a little uh, added feature because everybody asks, where's JB? Well, maybe JB finally shows up. Yeah, we might be able to find it. Finally don't have so many kid things to go to on the weekends anymore. So, What was your favorite uh, coverage I had in 2022 in terms of weekends uh, when I was out and about? Um, yeah, I, I think from like the some, for some of the photos, the... the um, Susquehanna tailgate looked like it was a lot of fun. <laughs> the, so it was against Hopkins, right? That was a day. That yeah. was certainly a day. It looked there. like that was a lot of fun. Uh, absolutely, it's it's right up there uh, for last year. Uh, just even you know dealing with that game itself. It was such a great game, and mm -hmm. uh, what almost happened at the end of that game because of the clock management issue that yeah. occurred, and getting to talk to Ryan Stevens after the game a little bit, and uh, seeing their tailgate on the road. Uh, Hopkins can travel and travel well yep. for that matter. Uh, one of my favorite moments too, though, was Mary Harden Baylor at Harden Simmons. Yeah. The what just happened game because that was just a crazy, crazy night in Abilene, and uh, my first trip to Abilene for that matter. Uh, and you know, Stag Bowl is always a great memory for me, mm -hmm. and uh, getting to hand out essentially without the actual hardware there at the Gallardi to Ethan Greenfield. Yeah, that was cool. It was a special moment and uh, when I go back and watch on Twitter every so often because you know you just don't get that to happen much anymore the way that, that things have changed. But uh, the more things change the more they stay the same. We're back in Salem, Virginia for Stag Bowl 50 coming up here in December. And then after this year maybe we don't talk about a December Stag Bowl anymore yeah. because it may be moving to January. Uh, that with the possibility of adding a week of playoffs and getting this thing to 40 teams, maybe up to 48 eventually or 48. more. Whoa. Well, that would be down the line. Let's see how 40 works first. Yeah. But it gives you that option later on, but also makes bowl games more possible in the first week of the playoffs yeah. because a lot more exposure to week one uh, outside of the eight playoff games that would be played. So we'll see where it goes. But 
Salem, Virginia, special uh, time for me. In uh, 2007, it was my first Stag Bowl there. Mm -hmm. This will be my, what is this, uh, 15th Stag Bowl uh, God, on the yeah. sidelines? Yeah, or 16th. I, I, 16, 17, it's my 16th Stag Bowl coming up, wow. I believe, officially. <laughs> That's wild. We'll, we'll go back and do the math because of the obvious uh, COVID situation. Yeah. But it's, uh, it'll be good to be back, uh, see a lot of familiar faces like Kerry Harvey Cutter, and JJ Nekoloff, obviously, who we saw last year, mm -hmm. but uh, with the ODAC now. Uh, Brad Bankston, the uh, commissioner, uh, teams are going to be really facing off to get back to the road to Salem, mm. which is what we used to call it every year. Yeah. Well, it's back this year, the yeah. road to Salem. So uh, we'll see. That's a game you need to get to, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. But folks, again, over the next couple of weeks, we'll have three more shows dedicated to the regions. One and two, then three and four, then five and six with interviews all along the way. So stay tuned for that. We're glad to be back here. Again, it's season 16, but our 15th anniversary here on In the Huddle from JB's Kitchen in Winter, uh, Winter Park, Florida. What do you think? How'd it go? It feels good to be back. Maybe there's still a little bit of rust on it, but hey, we got another, what, 30-something episodes to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you next time, folks.